Once again, I've been in trouble. No, I ain't no perfect model. Like a ship inside a bottle, I sail away. Now there ain't no use in telling about the soul I'll be selling. And it looks like there ain't nothing in my way. I've been running though my feet can only go so far.
wow, wow. I feel good. Wowie, wowie, as a good friend of mine says. His name's Toilet Bowl Earth. There's just on a broadcast with him. You can go check out the community panel. For those who don't know, I might post this on Spotify and iTunes. I neglected, neglected to say the least to post the last podcast because there were several interruptions thanks to uh, my lack of consideration for timing and how to run an operation, a sound operation. Um, and as I was listening to that song, a little part of me inside warmed up really big, right? Cause I had this idea. A lot of people make merch and I'm a big fan of merch. I'll buy merch, whatever. But, um, I read a book. It's called propaganda by Edward Bernays. And he's got a little excerpt in there about short skirts, man. Does a, does the masculine part of me, the feminine part of I mean, like oh, everybody's breaking down all the parts inside themselves. We'll get to that later in the show. We'll get to that later in the show. Um, but man, yeah, I like short skirts. So my, uh, my ears perked up inside of my brain and, my eyes focused on the words and I read that page about short skirts. I was like, what's this about? How does the government, propaganda, the media, culture, society make women wear short skirts? I've always wondered that. How do they make them wear long skirts? I've always wondered that. How do they make them wear anything? I've always wondered that. So I read the chapter and then essentially to boil it down, to paraphrase it, Um, if you want everyone to wear skirts, right? You don't make millions of short skirts. You lose all your money. You know what you do? You make 30, you make 40 short skirts and you, and you know what you do? You don't sell them. You give them away. You give them away. Um, and you might be Balenciaga. You might be, uh, Calvin Klein. You might be Gap. You create these short skirts and you give them away. Who do you give them away to? Aren't you supposed to sell everything? How Aren't you supposed to make money? And uh, no, you're not. Uh, they give them away to who? Celebrities. So they call Britney Spears. They say, Britney Spears, we have some new clothing line, right? It's a short skirt. It's not out yet. Actually, women aren't wearing this. When you wear this short skirt, I know it might be weird because nobody else is wearing it. People might look at you funny. But you're going to wear the short skirt. Oh, does that sound good, Britney Spears? Okay. Oh, this is her dad. Oh, okay. Um, tell Britney she needs, she needs to wear the short skirt. So then Britney Spears wears the short skirt. And then everybody else wants to buy a short skirt. But supply, demand, guess what? We don't have short skirts. Well, then you have a company come in and they feel the need. So essentially, if you really want your propaganda to take off. It's about putting it into the hands of the people that matter. Now, I, I understand this. I understood it. As soon as I read it, I was like, all right, fast forward four years later and I'm making my own merchandise. Where is it? Somewhere around here. And, uh, I decided that I won't, I did this with my book as well. I, I, I'm an author for, for the newcomers here. I'm a, I'm a published author. Hate to say it. Um, and I did the same thing with, I did with my book that I did with my clothing is I gave it to people. 
I didn't try to sell a book. Anybody who makes a book and tries to sell it immediately, <laughs> fed, idiot, not in it for the art. But boy, did I write a good book. Hardback, uh, of course, because every first edition book should be a hardback book. Now, if I ever meet some, and I have, I've met several people, and I've bought books from people who sell books. And it's like, this is my first book. And I get the book. And it's a paperback book. And I want to look at them and say, you should have bought 25 books, made those hardback, and then bought a bunch of shitty paperbacks. Because I don't want a paperback book. You know what paperback says to me? Second edition, third edition, fourth edition. You know what I see when I see a paperback book? Trash. I, I see I see it. And I, I, I take the book and I throw it in the trash. Oh, it's paperback? <laughs> Millions of these. Get it out of my face. Never publish a book, your first book, if it's not hardback. It's pretty simple. Um, long story. What's my fucking point? Um, my point is this. I gave the book away to people who I think are influential. Right? And it was weird, right? You give a book away and then you meet people. I would meet people and say, hey, I read your book. I'd say, how the fuck did you read my book? Who do you know? Who did I give it to? That because I don't know you, and this this has happened two or three times. I don't know the person I'm talking to, but they know me because they read my book. It's weird, and of course I gave it away to mostly local people. But I did give my book away to several uh, people who were not local. Right? Um, I gave my book away to a lot of all across the country. Um, all across the country, there's a Provo Kid book. I only made fifty of them. Cause I'm a legit author. Um, and then I made merchandise. So the point of this story with propaganda, Edward Bernays merchandise is I started a podcast. You're listening to it. Dislike, unsubscribe, whatever you got to do. Um, and I, I started my podcast off like most people do without really knowing what they were going to make. But I understood that I wanted to make I here's here's the one thing I did say. I just want to have fun. As soon as I'm not having fun doing this, I'm done. Right? I'm absolutely done. Um the whole goal of doing anything that anybody does with a screen should be fun and entertainment. But the problem is I've noticed with society this can go into a deep tangent. Uh people use screens. Uh, I'm not going to go down that tangent. Um I could talk forever, dude. Gifted. Um, so I started a podcast and I talked to myself for an hour. I found little subjects, cringe, uh, TikTok, uh, you know, specifically disabilities, topical issues from Corona to World War Three to whatever, right? Um, and then I realized that what a lot of people realize when they create a podcast is, you know what? Nobody listens to me and that's fine. That's dandy, but you still wonder why, like, like what, what's, and then of course the answer comes through that in order to grow an audience, you have to, uh, be symbiotic. You have to join other cultures. Right. And so I've been doing that ad nauseum lately. Um, trying to, cause you know, that's all you really need to do is introduce yourself to a hundred people and have one person find you interesting. 
so I've been, I've been doing that. Um, and that's the reality of the situation. But the way I first started to do that was by talking to bands, right? So local bands, cause I wanted to play music on my podcast and this is a long story. Um, I wanted to do it in an authentic way. So one thing I noticed from the King of Podcasts, Joe Rogan, is he only does podcasts in person. Why is that? Because talking to someone over a screen will never, ever, ever equate to being in the same room. You'll never get the same energy. So everybody who, this is why I think you need to create a persona, you need to create an identity online, because even if you go on to the Zoom call to talk to your boss you go on to your your kid logs on for a Chromebook to go to school online. No matter what, right? Like that isn't you. Like, you, know, you create a you create a a YouTube channel about movies, about books. It doesn't matter how you present about your family. It, it could be about damn near anything. It ain't gonna be you. And I'm sorry, I don't know what to tell you. You will never be your authentic self through a screen. People don't get that. So I've accepted that. And then I'm like, all right, if I can't be my authentic self and that's completely a wash, I might as well just create the persona that I want to be online. I think that's really the goal, right, Uh, is to create an online persona rather than trying to be the persona because there's always going to be a disconnect, an incongruency. Just it's like uh, you're either in the pool or you're out. If you're just half in, half out, like you're just going to confuse everybody. Like what the fuck are you doing? Just just get it. Be something different you're trying to be wet and dry you need you either need to be all dry or you need to be all wet um so then i interviewed bands because i was like oh if i can talk to these bands i can you know i support local artists play their music and have a cool little intro to the provo kid thing right like it's supportive it's community and then i got this idea that um because you start a podcast and most podcasts live and die off the fact that they rely on other people. And that ain't this, Hey, this dog eats every day. I don't need somebody to interview I, ever, but, um, you know, you just, you just get gradually drawn towards the idea of like interviewing people. Um, so I interview bands and, uh, one thing I would do when, and this is called a callback. This has been a long story. So if, if you're just checking in now, Uh, And you skip forward, you're going to miss what I'm talking about. Um, And then I created my merchandise line. Now, my merchandise line, I I haven't sold one thing of merchandise. I've probably made over 30 sweaters, hoodies, and haven't sold one. People say that's a big waste of money. Um, But I couldn't feel more honored, right? The, The intro song for this, right, the band member, for no such animal, he was live on stage wearing my hoodie. Now, I, I don't know what anybody else can do. I like that to me is the pinnacle, right? And it ties back into Edward Bernays, right? What is that? That's a cool hoodie. Where'd you get that? He's, you know, and, and it starts at the top. It starts at the top. Right. And so not that I, and if I, my merchandise line ever picked up, guess what? Dude, my hands can't, I can't work that hard. Look at me. I'm from the rough, but I'm from the suburb. You know what I mean? You think I'm just gonna be tie dyeing all day to fill orders? No. What eventually happens is my tie dye hoodies do go on sale 
and then the prices go elevate, right? Because my if if you have a hundred sweaters and they're all the fucking same, nobody gives a fuck. But each one of the sweaters I make are individual. Uh, they're they're meaningful. Um, they're usually pattern colored to the person of interest. They're usually uh, patched with patches that resonate with the individual. If I can do that, if I if I'm able to do that, right. And so it's really cool to see. And I've actually, this is, there's another person I, I need to bring up, a, a, a comedian. I gave him a sweater. He's wearing that to shows, right? It's, and now it's almost summer and I, I'm going to change my tie-dye game up. I'm going to go back to tank tops, right? Um, but I used to give my sweaters to, when I first started podcasting, I would make merchandise exclusively for anybody who I would do a podcast with. And I still have two or three people that their their merchandise is actually finished. I'm just so fucking lazy. I haven't sent it to them. And, you, and you're like, why am I lazy? Because, you know, what's the reason? Why do they need a sweater right now? It's spring. And I feel like an idiot because I only make sweaters and hoodies because that's what your boy wears. Uh, pretty autistic over here. I wear like, you know what? I do wear the same hoodie every stream. At least I tried to two or three same hoodies because that's what I like to wear. And in real life, you'd say you'd meet, you see me in the streets. You say, did you just have a podcast today? And I say, no, I'm just wearing these clothes. Like I always wear these clothes. I'm like a fucking cartoon character. Like people don't get that. Oh, you're autistic. You ever meet someone who wears the same fucking clothes? You're looking at them. Right now, of course, I wash them, I clean them, take care of them, keep them nice. The weird thing about all the clothes I wear is usually every item is a gift. That's why they're so sentimental, so then I get attached to wearing them. Like this, this was a gift. I hardly wear clothes that are bought. Um, uh, Everything I, I wear is almost exclusively what someone thought would look good on me. Now this becomes a problem because then people understand that's who you are. And then they start dressing you up like you're a fucking clown. And I don't mind that because I just, I'm one of these people like, I don't know if it was conditioned like every Christmas or whatever, like, Hey, put on the clothes now wear them. So I do, I do put on the clothes and I do wear them for extended periods of time. Of course, cleaning them in between. Um, but it, yeah, anyways, it felt really cool this past week. I've seen a few people who w- have been wearing my merchandise and they don't even give me a shout. Like, oh, oh, wow. It just touches my heart. Right. And it means more that I gave it to them in some sense. I didn't sell it. Right. Uh, you know, that's the best part. I really don't like selling things. I do have a care package and it starts today. Today's May 1st. If you go to over to my Patreon, um, I do, if you go to over to my Patreon, it's a dollar, right? I'm going to have a care package this month. If you are interested in Provo Kid merch, if you want to get in uh, on the action, while well, it's still relatively cheap, it's $30, right? So $30, I'll send you a box. You got to su- subscribe to my Patreon. I'll send you a box, right? And the Patreon, as soon as I put the box up, it's just basically whoever comments and so you, I could have a repeat buyer every month. It could be my mom. I don't know. Right. Um, you, I'll put the box up and you just say, I want it. And then we'll work out the details. 
Um, I don't have a lot of Patreon followers, so it won't be hard to secure a box right now. But I, I, I'm telling you right now, in two or three months, four months, maybe maybe three years, when I when I do exactly what I'm doing now, right, the box is going to be worth, I don't even want to guess. It's going to be high. It's not going to be $30 anymore. And the stuff inside of it will probably still be the same. Um, and if you're interested in what one of those boxes look like, right, what does a Patreon kid box look like? I sent it to um, uh, a Patreon member. I uh, posted it on my community tab link. Now, if you think that box, or like, if you think that's something you're interested in, um, let me know. Right, go over to my Patreon. Cost a dollar. Cost a dollar. Um, nice little ad. Don't do that too often. Twenty minutes in. Um, I do have articles today. Uh, quite a few articles. Some of them. Um, I'll probably just breeze right past through because I pulled them up in haste. But I, And honestly, there's not a lot to talk about in general with the other ones when I think about it. Uh, so where, where do I go from here? What can I talk about from my personal life? Um, you know, one thing I can say in my day-to-day life that uh, I've noticed is uh, as I interact with my, my children and I do imaginative play, uh it's it's so hard in some regards. Like, I think I'm an imaginative person. People say, get in your imagination. But the reality is, you look at it, when was the last time I really was in my imagination? And I believed that uh, what was going on. Right. So a good analogy for this is maybe Captain Hook, the movie, one of my favorites, where they have a scene where you know, Captain, uh, or, or Peter Pan, right? Uh, Robin Williams is at a feast, a table and all the plates are empty. You know, all the kids are eating around him and, you know, Peter is looking around like what's going on. He's got no imagination. That's me. That's how I felt in, in the past day. Uh, in some regards, right? Like, oh man, am I, let me finish the Peter Pan analogy. Um, so the eventually this is a pivotal moment in, in the movie where Peter Pan realizes that uh, he's an adult in the sense of his mind and that children and kids see the world differently. So like he saw the plates as empty, but it was a feast for all of the, what are they called? Bangarang! The, what are they called? The wild boys? Ah, man, bangarang. Bangarang. That's so cool. Uh, so I was thinking about that. And when Peter eats the food and there's that portly looking um, child staring at him, he says, you're doing it, Peter, you're doing it. Uh, he's using his imagination. So I was trying to think about that in regards to like, how do I play uh, role play with blocks, characters, buildings, and use my imagination because I feel like such a fucking adult sometimes, logically, world schema wise. And when you have children, it does take you back to like, oh, man, I actually don't think like that anymore, do I? <laughs> so uh, it's interesting, right? Like how what it is imagination? right? Like, why is it so clearly evident? And my child and their ability to just boom right away imagination. And I have to like 
it's it's like a fucking lawnmower that hasn't been started in years. I gotta yank the chain. I'm like, God, get a fucking idea. What is? What am I doing? What am I building? Who is this character? What do they say? Do they have a voice? Um, and I think there's got to be something to the human development, right? Where like some of the greatest artists never lose that characteristic or quality, right? And maybe we all never lose portions or parts of it, right? But the real artists, whether it's a painter or a voice impersonator or anybody, right? Comedian, actor, uh, playwright, uh, I don't care. Examples. There's got to be something lost, right? So I'm thinking about this and how can I delay or secure as much of this valuable thing that is imagination that allows a person to see things differently uh, in a child. And I was thinking about this one thing that it prevents that is how concrete we teach our children to see the world. Like this is a desk, say desk. And they're like desk. And then, you know, you, everything becomes so fucking concrete. Um, and I was wondering like, how do you teach language in a way Right, that allows the fluidity of the mind to make that desk um, not just a desk, but a battlefield or uh, an arena for uh, chaos, or maybe it's an ocean, or maybe it's uh, outer space, or maybe the the table is um, not even a table. Maybe it's not even fucking there. Like, how do you do that? How do you keep? Because once, uh, you know, once somebody thinks something, something, like, how do you get them out of that worldview? So what do I do? I play around. I say, I'll take something. I'll say, oh, this is my hat. I'll just be weird. You know, like, oh, this is, you just take a rock. and Or this is a lock. I'll say, this is my bracelet. And it doesn't, it's not really a bracelet. You just fucking, basically, I don't know if imagination is lying or not, right? Like, is it lying? That's the thing. Maybe they teach you to be honest, right? I was like, I don't want to be honest. I think this is my fucking bracelet. It's not a ring. It's a sick-ass Buddha lock, I'll tell you that. That's the lock to my heart, baby. Um, What do you do about that? How do you raise a mind, a child? And this is one thing I I really think is important to people as well. Like you are never the same. Like people say, I've heard, I've heard this my whole life. I've heard other people say it 20 different ways. Right. And it's always paraphrased as, I guess, you know, you'll, uh, what do they say? You don't know until you have kids. You don't know love until you have children. Some shit like that. And up until I had kids, I argued vehemently against that worldview. I'm like, how do? Oh, I don't know how to be a parent. Oh, I don't know how to love. I don't know what these things are. Ah, oh, what an idiot! <laughs> what an idiot I was, right? But I was, I was that person until I had a kid. Uh, I was like, oh man, oh man, I know, I know, man fuck uh you don't know right uh and the like uh here's something else right so the reason i bring this topic in it's a nice segue i did a good job here i might as well pat myself on the back 
uh, I hope I have that. Here's the article. Now, this article I'm about to bring up is a, an example of a series of articles uh, that I've seen for most of my life, right? Which is unfortunate in some regard. Sorry, one second, dude. One second. I just I, I want to make this right for the audience. Uh, and this article basically is uh, bullshit. Um, I'm just trying to transfer all of these stupid fucking. I got a lot of. I'm not going to say the word yet because how, how far are we? I haven't said. I haven't said the word. They just say what word? What word haven't you said? Um, I'm not talking about. I'm talking about something right now. Parenting. Oops, that's Streamlabs. I don't know why that did that bullshit. So, good luck dying alone. Couples on TikTok are showing off their double income, no kids lifestyle, but also face harsh backlash. Here are the pros and cons of being dink, whatever the fuck that is. What what could that be? Dying in, I don't know what dink is. I'm going to cover the article, right? I'm going to cover the article. But there is this weird propaganda that permeates through white middle class people that it, that's maybe it's not just white middle class people it's just this idea that you shouldn't have kids climate change overpopulation the denuclearization of the family the the push for uh you know uh delayed Marriage, if any marriage, the push for experimenting in your youth with drugs, relationships, sex, drugs, rock and roll, whatever it is, right? Big push. Um, and I've been seeing, I think if I wanted to, I could pull up 20 other articles like this from the past 10 years, right? Of how life's better without kids. And the reality is the whole children issue in America, just looking at this alone, should key everybody in the fact that we've been culturally uh, fucked, right? The idea of what is, I think, healthy, happy. I think, I don't know, I'll, I think boomers can say they were deceived. Gen Xers, I think we've all, we should understand, like, we've all been lied to it, in some regards of, like, what success is because we've all been shown what success is through a screen and through propaganda and magazines, so then people pursued those things right but those things were novel and new and they left people uh with all these new problems in our culture and society right like everything that we that's been pushed forward is novel and new and there's been side effects outcomes adverse reactions to say the least um so let's let's try to read the article if i may i'm halfway through the show good job me more Americans are choosing to skip the traditional milestones set by their boomer parents. So right away, right away, hate the article. I hate who wrote it. I hate everything about it. It sucks, right? So what is this trying to do to people? It's trying to say boomer. Is that nice? Are you supposed to be calling old people boomers, right? Maybe in the correct situation, I'll throw the word boomer around, but not really. I would never call my parents boomers to their faces. Right? 
You boomers? No. It's so weird how people resent the old, right? It's like, oh, man, they were faced with so much propaganda. Like, I, I get it. I mean, imagine going to a concert and not knowing the CIA is running an LSD acid drug drug cartel through it. Are you supposed to be mad at your parents for that? I mean, like, they had no clue. All of a sudden, they get a little plastic card in the 80s, right, to make them forget about Vietnam that says they can buy whatever they want. <laughs> the wor- I, Like, I feel bad for the boomers. Like, they're not dumb. Anybody who thinks boomers are dumb, like, oh, no, they were just propaganda- propagandized too, right? Anybody who blames generations are escaping the reality that all those people were programmed. And they were done so in a hyper-focused way, like in a new way. And what I mean, what do I mean by new? What do I mean by new? I mean, a fresh boat of Nazis coming over to America saying, you know what? I think we can figure out how to program your people. And then you see all the cartoons with these Germans, mad scientists, white lab coats. There's a real reality to how fucking programmed all these people are and people blame generations. They don't blame the government, right? Like, Oh, the boomers led us into this. Oh, they did. I thought it was the MK ultra program that fucked over their generation. I'm confused. The boomers did this or the CIA, which one who killed JFK? I don't know. The boomers did the boomers kill JFK. Is that how we got here? Are we blaming our citizens? Are we blaming our parents now? This is the whole point of where I, people might say Marxist, but the real reality, right? The hating of the old, the hating of the youth, the hating of every. Oh, it's not the government. It's the boom. It's the people. The people got you here, right? Because there's still the illusion, right? The people are running the government. So if the people are running the government, the boomers get the blame. But who still thinks people are running the government? I don't. What a long three-minute segue. Allergies are kicking my ass, I'll tell you that, dude. I can't talk normal. Sucks. I hate it. This is the worst time to be a broadcaster. I need to get an air filter in here. I need something. Kicking my ass. What am I what am I doing? What am I doing? Let's get back to the fucking show. Uh I hate how uh, this article is terrible. I by the way, if you can't tell, I have a hard time reading because I'm very critical of. I mean, I didn't get past the first sentence. It's one of the things I've always struggled with. I'm very like, uh, like what are they saying? So I'll start over. We didn't get too far. More young Americans are choosing to skip the traditional milestones set by their boomer parents and opting not to have children. And they're taking to social media to celebrate the perks. Don't miss. I don't know what, like this doesn't cue me in as a, as a reader, right? To anything. Like, I don't know where this person went to like journalism school or if it's written by an AI, don't miss looks like an ad. Don't miss what? Rich young Americans have lost confidence in the stock market and are betting on these three. Ad- so it's an ad. Okay. Fuck. I got fooled. Uh, 
Uh, Ness Baker recently labeled herself and her partner Dinkwads. Dual income, no kids with a dog. Oh, if I ever know anyone like that, ah, made a mistake. Made a mistake with my life. I know a dinkwad. Dinkwads are why we are failing. You know what? It's probably a blessing. These people shouldn't be because they would reproduce, right? Then they actually you don't know. You never know what the children will become because they might rebel. That's a nice thing. Right? Re- rebellion and youth. And they would say, oh, you know what? Don't agree. So that's what a weird, weird thing. Dinkwads. Such a pejorative. And a viral video that featured a couple going shopping, lounging in bed and enjoying the outdoors. Now, I just say, why can't I do that with my kid? Uh, well, the lounging in bed thing seems a little weird. <laughs> well, you can lounge in bed with your spouse. What What are the other two things? Um, go outdoors and you can go shopping. I mean, like, what's the difference? And the thing is when you've lived most of that, your life, like, so yeah, most of my life adult, right? I, I did do that. So I know it's weird when they argue for me, they're, they're arguing from a position of me not knowing what that's like. Oh, brothers and sisters, I do know what that's like. Not having kids. Uh, So, you know, at some point, though, it's got to get boring, doesn't it? Um, The TikTok video generated 10 million views. No one cares. Not everyone care. Uh, not everyone was happy. Um. Good luck dying alone at 60 or 70 with no kids or grandkids to take care of you. Wrote one. This person was probably Chinese. Uh, the dink lifestyle isn't for everyone. And while there are many factors involved in the decision. So here's what they're doing. So this is called propaganda. The reason I bring this up is at the end of the day, it's a very pro not having kids article. You get into the first thing. Higher income, savings and potential. What else? Uh, that's it. Higher. Oh, right. Lack of support is UH. That's it. More flexible. Oh, so positive. More flexibility in your career. You can do what you want. Uh, you don't get the tax benefits. That's it. Terrible article. Sorry, I had to show it to you. Next article is, it's in honor of Donald Trump, right? So Donald Trump was a president, right? But The thing that bothered me a lot with the reporting was like, why are these, why is there a filter on the photo? Like, I I know he's got orange skin, whatever, whatever, but why is there a filter? Just show me a 4K picture. And there's a few things wrong with this article, uh, right? So Texas, first of all, the first word wrong with the article is the fact that he's not Texas. That's that's the first the first word is the first problem. The first word is the fir- this is why I hate reading. I hate articles, I hate headlines. The first word is the first problem. He's actually a Mexican. And when I say Mexican from Mexico, uh he's a Mexican fugitive suspected of massacring neighbors was deported. So weird, deported, but he's Texas. Deported, Texas. 
look at this photo. That's as wide as me. Right now. No difference. So this is some of the most disgusting shit I see throughout the media. Right? Like just one article. One picture. One headline. All lies. Every part of it. And people want me to just say, oh, did you see the news? No, why would I? To see their doctored photos? To see their doctored headlines? I can't, I don't have time to teach people, right? That you got to care about the first word of the headline. You don't question, it's not about questioning questioning the, the premise or a quote. It's, it starts at the beginning, right? Texas fugitive. He's Mexican. Francisco Oropa. Pesa, a fugitive suspected of killing five people in Cleveland, Texas, don't want to be in Ohio, uh, including a child. The suspect was in the country illegally, but let's keep saying he's a Texas fugitive. Um, the suspect responded, all right, so but here's the more important thing. Uh, look at this guy. What? <laughs> Are you kidding me? No, no, no. Sorry, sorry. I know we showed that first photo. No, but here he is. Apparently. Um, but when we tell everybody who he is, let's make him think he's white. Sound good, everybody? It's so fucking gross. It's so stupid. Oh, man. Look at him. Look at this guy. Nah, look at that. The fucking news, man. No, I won't read the article. The headline was enough. Um, here's something else. Let's get to the word autism. Finally, uh, I got 15 minutes left. That's what I allowed myself. So first of all, I should have done... I'm trying to get better at this. Uh, all right, so my whole life, I always thought I was different. Okay. Uh, I, I, I told other people this. I shared this and I realized I think everybody feels that, you know, and, and what that feeling is, is called individuality, right? Like the, the feeling of like, I'm not you. There was, a, there was a day in my childhood when I, when I realized that like I was kind of stuck in my body. Like I couldn't leave it. And I had been like five, four years old. Like this is, I'm here, dude. <laughs> Buckle up. Buckle the fuck up. I had that realization about four or five. I'll never forget where. At my daycare, I was like, oh, I can't be you. I, uh, or like whatever it was, something clicked. And I realized I was stuck. Stuck 
in my body. And I always felt different because of that. And I think that what that feeling different is, is called individuality. You feel yourself, you feel different. So going forward, right? Like now I read this article. Adults with autism say they always felt different growing up. Why they say getting the diagnosis. And this ties into something I've been talking about for a while. Why they say getting the diagnosis later in life was a relief. Right. And this article comes in right when I say well, right when I said it would when I I've been tracking autism awareness month. It's over. So I'm not going to talk about it as much. Kind of hurts my feelings. But I did say at the end of the month, this article would appear. And in saying that, what I said was they open up with and I've known about what do they call it? Midlife diagnosis, I call it late term. <laughs> it's not too nice. Late term diagnosis, autism. Uh, late term in your life. But the reason this article comes up at the end of the month is pretty simple, right? So they, they massaged your brain at the beginning of the month into, and I, I covered the articles, what is autism? What does autism look like? Uh, simple things like that. So they just breached the door with a propaganda. Then they open the door to the month with here are people who got diagnosed with autism. Uh, here are, uh, these events or whatever, like, um, here are the terms, the struggles, the terms and uh, Jesus Christ, those signs, the terms like uh, masking, camouflaging, uh, autistic burnout. Um, you know, the, the spectrum, profound autism, nonverbal autism, going into the quadrant autism. So then they, they pack that month full of all that information. And I said at the end of the month, they're going to then push why women, and this is interesting because there's a, they took the propaganda term of uh, wage gap, right? Uh, and they applied it to autism gap. And women have this thing with their thigh gap too. So it's, it, it tie, the weird, the, the fact Anybody chooses to use uh, the word gap with any propaganda associated with women is highly sexualized. Uh, I think it's neuro-linguistic programming, right? So um, the term gap to me, right, uh, is very intentional. Hard to talk. Uh so you have the autism gap in women, right? Where they are about one in a hundred. So we're about three in 100 for typical, maybe four, six people say maybe six out of 100 in autism, maybe seven, a lot of different numbers out there, dude. Uh, about one in 36 is typically what they might say. Uh, so you have these different numbers, right? But women one in 100 generally. Okay. But, what they're saying is women have actually have, have had autism. They haven't been good at diagnosing it because women pass by. They pass. They uh, camouflage. They develop like behaviors. And this shit's so crazy to me because I always want to argue against it while I'm explaining it. But uh, so anyways, let me let me finish the point. 
So you have the autism gap in women, and they're trying to push the diagnosis rate for women in mid to late life. Uh, uh, what's the term? Middle, late age autism. They want more women to be autistic. They need the numbers up. So, of course, this article comes in swinging April 28th, right at the end. Gavin Bullard always considered himself to be different from other kids growing up. No way. He says he put it down to being deaf. Oh, that makes sense. My best friend in my primary school years was also deaf, however, and his struggles were quite different to mine. Uh, Bollard, a 53-year-old father of two grown kids, tells Yahoo Life, I've always felt alien, like I didn't belong. I don't, this doesn't make sense. How do they start the, the article with someone saying they don't quite fit in because they're deaf? I, there's there's, there's got to be a great segue because it's about autism. If you're deaf and you feel like you're different, how many trophies do you want? You are different, I, and you, sh- you should feel different because you're deaf. If you didn't feel different, people would say you're not deaf. I, I, I'm an idiot. Let's keep reading. It wasn't until 30, uh, Baller was 36-year-old that he was diagnosed with autism, and that's only because of his eldest son, then age five, who was having a hard time at school. So first of all, this is a problem. He's at school. He's five years old. He shouldn't be at school. He shouldn't be at school. Now, this idea where kids go to school like it's a day job is one of the sickest propaganda cycles Americans have ever tripped on. That you that your kid got, hey, he's five years old. He hasn't been around the sun six times. He's fucking confused. He's five years old. He's got no pattern. Like, how long is this guy's memory? Two, three, two years ago, three years ago, what was he saying? Now, he's in a new place. He's five years old. Maybe he should start school at six if he's going to kindergarten. And he's having a hard time. You know why he's having a hard time? Initially, you know what I'm going to tell you? Not with his parents. And for people who don't understand this, right? If you give anyone else you, your child, you know what they're going to say? Because they're being paid to be with your kid. Your kid causes problems. Because if your kid doesn't do what they say, your kid's going to cause, he's causing problems. And people don't get this. Who, and I get when your life circumstances and uh, prohibit you from being able to do that. But don't be deluded from the fact that if you give your child to someone else for daycare, for school, that person's being paid to watch them. They don't give a fuck. They might, you might have the right one. You might have a good one. I don't know. But if your kid causes problems, now guess what? They got a disorder. It's weird how there was no notice of the disorder until the kid was five years old and couldn't bend the knee. To what authority? He didn't understand. He didn't get. He should just understand what school is at five years old. People are so insane. Oh, let's see why this kid couldn't do well in school. 
we had a couple of pediatricians look at them and they were only picking up ADD, the non-hyperactive form of AD. Oh, good. Oh, good. You know what that means? Time to cycle in some amphetamines. Here you go, kid. How do you like being tweaked out at the age of five? Because guess what? You're a bit, I don't know, different. Don't want to listen. Don't want to sit down. You're kind of like, I don't know what I call it, a child. You're a child. You have 80. You can't sit down for five minutes in school. You're five years old. People are so fucking stupid. Give the kid amphetamines. Pop them a pill. I know what to do. Sign them up for some fems. Some amphetamines. Man, we're so fucked. And when they say the non-hyperactive, what they mean is that kid ain't running around all the time, but if he... It'd be like he picks up a model train set, plays with it for two minutes, puts it down, goes, picks up a coloring book, draws half the page, goes somewhere else, does something else for three minutes. You know what that is? Being a kid. That's all that is. The over, like, psychoanalyzation, overprescription, of normal behaviors is one of the weirdest problems we have, right? Who gives a fuck if the kid can't sit for a half hour at five years old and talk about one fucking thing? Fuck off. I mean, it's, it's so crazy. This is what people read. This is the professionals, right? And this is my disdain with academia and everything about it. Because uh, this is academia. If you don't believe that's academia, this is everything that's fucked with our educational system. And this is why I hate when people say, go to college. College is a great thing. Sure, sure. So you can be fucking brainwashed. I escaped through the skin of my teeth, dude. I don't even know how I got out. I don't like this is the highest level brainwashing. My son's teacher kept telling us that we were missing something huge. And they said a few times, the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. Oh, what a slam. You know what? This article also does piss me the fuck off. It, it's the teacher telling the parents what they missed, right? Someone else you gave your child to. Now, I, I don't understand everyone's situation. But the people come in, they're saying, your, your kid, you know what your kid doesn't work for? A regimented system that's designed to create a cookie cutter product. Oh, you're missing a few things. Your kid just won't listen. Can you give him some amphetamines, please? Ah. He just won't do the same drill, kill, rudimentary, bullshit type educational shit we want to feed him. Maybe, you know what? This is something interesting with gifted people. Maybe he's bored because he's too fucking smart. 
They don't have the system to take, test them. He's bored in class. This is a real issue, right? So people who malperform sometimes, poor, poorly perform, it's because it's not that stimulating. Right? Maybe they understand it. They grasp it. They could take it and go farther with it. And you know what the problem with our educational system is? One size fits all. You got it. Well, every, you can understand the concept, Johnny. I know. Sit in the boat while I make sure all these other idiots understand the difference between there, there, and there. So I know you get it. So what happens is kids get restless. Kids get anxious. But our system's designed to keep all these kids running at the same pace. They don't run at the same pace. Who thinks they run at the same pace? They don't. It's the only system we have too, educational system, where they say, guess what? We're going to segregate you by age. Makes sense at some point, but then at others it doesn't. Segregate people at age maybe in high school, but up until then, right? Why can't a fifth grader help a third grader learn uh, some basic arithmetic? Why can't they sit in the same class and make the connections the teacher can't quite make? Right? There's this big... Uh, uh, the worst thing with liberals right, is they'll tell you about big dog industrial prison complex. Oh, military industrial complex. Oh, patriarchy. But none of them will talk about big education and how it's ruining America. right? And as someone who's gone through big education... Top to bottom. I spent more time in school than I ever wanted to spend. And I'm looking at it. And I, I detest it. I see it for what it is. I think when people come out of prison, they can see it for what it is. I think people, when they come out of the ju judicial system, can see it for what it is. But why isn't anyone talking about how fucked our educational system is as a whole? And you know what they, do, they will talk about? CRT. They'll talk about the, how to change the engine. Right? How to change. And then they won't address the fact school's compulsory. That's a problem. They want to address the fact that schools are built like prisons. They transport kids in the same buses that uh, prisons transport their prisoners in. They want to address the fact there's police officers, right? They want to address. Uh, they they will, and they'll tell you tell you all the reasons why they need more stuff, more money. And that's where all the argument starts off of keep building the, the empire. That's where they keep them, right? The argument of big education is always geared towards making it stronger. It's never geared towards taking away the power. Now, you, t you want to take away the power of big education, you don't make it compulsory. It is the only right Americans are forced, they're compulsed to have. The only right Americans have is to have their kid taken away from them unless they do X, Y, and Z at the age of uh, six, right? And you have to be pretty privileged to do X, Y, and Z. You got to read papers. You got to check forums. You got to go to charter school, private school, homeschool. You got to do, you got to go over hurdles. Otherwise, the state steps in, right? The only right that is entirely compulsorily and enforced with 100%, 100% litigious effect. Hey, guess what? You ever get a call? Hey, your kid didn't show up for school. It's crazy. Uh, they have uh, schools with police districts, right? So uh, now police are involved as an aspect of schooling. So Americans have no fucking clue what they should talk about. Right? 
big education. I here's the things I talk about: autism, homelessness, big education, World War Three. This is the Provocate Podcast. We just hit an hour. God bless everyone for watching. Where's my music? Uh, let's end it with some local, local vibes. Is anybody in chat? No, I I don't see anything. I don't know if that works. This oh, I gotta do the playback. Oh, I do have people here. Uh, Stephen, David, Jeremy, EBT, Roy, Tropes, uh, Manda. That's a tough name. Benja, the machine lies. Uh, Quick, Richard, Innerbuns, Linda. God bless you all. I, I'm not even live. I think that's it. Appreciate it. Um, stay frosty. Stay frosty. Stay fresh. Uh, may God be with you. Um, and it's a it's a long week ahead of us. So, I don't know, man. Just I'd say. If you could plant a tree, plant one. That's all. I'm not that's not the playlist I want. I gotta play local music. I play local music here on the Provocate Podcast. We're gonna uh play What do I want, dude? Uh hey dude. Gotta love me some uh Lily House. God bless you all. <laughs>